1: Good afternoon, it's Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group. It is Friday, January 8th, and we have a real treat today. Uh, This is uh, our first show of the new year, and we are going to be talking about a topic that I absolutely love, and that is uh, the tone that you find within an organization. And, you know, I have worked in so many organizations that had a really bad tone, but we're going to be talking about the other side of that today with a book called Contagious Culture. And our guest today is Anise Kavanaugh. Anise, welcome. Thank you, Tiki. Thank you so much for having me. Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year to you. And am I pronouncing your name all right? You are. It's perfect. Oh, good, good. I, I know Patty had sent me a, a note. My producer is always so great about that to make sure that I don't mispronounce it. And then uh, as soon as I said it, I thought, oh my gosh, did I get it right? No, well, it's uh, perfect. I, I just, first of all, I absolutely love the cover of your book, and I'm a sucker for book covers. Uh, you know, I, I spend so much time. Uh, with business books, and every time I walk into a bookstore i 'm absolutely overwhelmed, as you probably are as an author, by the volume of choice that people have yeah. in business books mm-hmm. and and so one of the things that grabs me uh, you know is a great book cover, and I am a chronic user of sticky notes. And everybody who knows me knows that in my bag, I not only have sticky notes, I probably have five or six colors and shapes of sticky notes. <laughs> and I carry around a black Sharpie with me because, you know, if I go to a client's location and they don't have a whiteboard, um, you know, you can use sticky notes anywhere. And you have used the sticky note to portray conversations. And, uh, you know, I really love that. And the subtitle of the book is Show Up, Set the Tone, and intentionally create an organization that thrives. And, you know, before we dive into the book, these, I'd love to hear about you. Our, our listeners like to be able to relate your background to, you know, how you got to be an author, why this topic, and, you know, I, I know I'm throwing a lot of things at you, but, you know, and tell us a little bit about what your day job is. That's so great. Kate. Hey, throw as much as you want at me. I'm capturing it all on Post-it, so.
0: Oh, <laughs> Good for you. I'm just kidding. You and you and I are, are you and I are sisters in so in many ways, I'm sure. But one of them definitely is Postits. I I think that there's nothing more delicious and joyful than a new stack of Postits and a great set of sharpies. <laughs>
1: so,
0: so we're we're together on that. Um, so my background, I so I started in kinesiology. I was actually a kinesiologist working with athletes years and years ago, and went to school to get my degree in that. And um, very very long story short, went from working with athletes to moving into uh, working in organizations with executives around health and productivity and how they showed up in their, you know, in the work environment, how they took care of themselves, um, all that good stuff. I, I, you know, did a kind of a round of, as most people do in their first year careers, I experimented with that athletic training. I worked in corporate. I went and I worked with um, Dean Ornish, who was uh, the physician who created the heart disease reversal methodology. And I, I basically, in 2010, um, after I had my first child, I decided I wasn't going to work for anybody anymore. In fact, I, for a year, decided, and I'm sure probably some of your listeners can relate to this, that I was going to just stay at home with my little baby for the rest of my life because there was no way I was leaving that guy. And, <laughs> you know, I had it all planned out. I you know, literally thought... We okay, are you know, sisters
1: know. of another mother. <laughs> we are, right? I said,
0: there's no way I'll leave the and for the rest of my life. I am not leaving this guy. And that lasted for about a year, and I was sitting in my Dodge Durango, and I talk about this in the book, actually, but I was sitting in my Dodge Durango, and I my kid was sleeping. I was waiting in the parking lot of my gym to go work out, and as we all know, like, you do not wake a sleeping baby if you want peace the rest of the day, so I was waiting for him to wake up, and I started to really, I had been getting this quiet call, you know, like this, in, this internal soulful call of, hey, I'm missing my work. Um, But I didn't want to go back and do it the way I had before. I really didn't want to go work for anybody else. And so on Post-it that day, sitting in that Durango for about 90 minutes, I started to jot down what were all the things that I really loved about my previous experience with the athletes Mm. in corporate America, working with the physicians. Um, And very long story short, I created a company out of it. And I uh, went, worked out got home, couldn't wait to sit down and start thinking to really put some thought into it. And then that was really where my my company started developing. And now the company has been, we've been going for 14 years now, and we do, you know, I'm an advisor to organizations around culture and creativity and collaboration, and we have online programs and um, public programs that we host a couple times a year to teach people the IEP method, which is what the book is focused around, and IEP stands for intentional, energetic presence, and that's where we're at today.
1: Well, I love it, and you do talk about being present, and I'm sure we're going to get to that. One of the things I want to point out about the cover of the book is, again, you you drew the little conversation bubble on Mm -hmm. all of the sticky notes, but one of them has this thinking bubble, and and, uh, (laughs) I would love to know how that evolved.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's great. Yeah, I, I love it. You know, you're the first person. You're the first person to call attention to that. I love it that you that you just underlined that. That was very intentionally done. That was my creative director on my team. He we actually he his name is Jeff Lear and he designed the cover. Um, and the idea is there's that thinking bubble and what happens is we have a thought, and you see this, you know, this is not just in corporate culture, this is in family culture, friendship culture, community culture, in the you know, in our in our culture that lives in our own head, right? So we have a thought and then we, even just thinking it, it's contagious. It starts, the way that we show up, our thoughts impact our energy and the vibration and what we bring to the table. So just even thinking about it starts to have an impact on how we're showing up as a leader. And then what usually happens is we go and we share it with somebody or we go into group think, especially culturally, and that thought starts to duplicate and it's like a horrible game of telephone where all of a sudden you've got the rest of those post-its which you're like, Here, here's what that thought has now become. So that's where that came from. Is like there's that initial thought, whether it's a belief about yourself or a belief about the leader you're working with or the company or your client or your kid, you have that thought, and the energy that, that
1: creates for you is contagious. Well, I love that. And, you know, you started out by talking about uh, really showing up and, and mm-hmm. that your IEP method is really centered on that, about actually yeah. being present. And I remember, actually, one of my favorite books, um, partially because it was a really fast read. I mean, you could sit down literally, not not even in a full afternoon, uh, mm. and read it. And it was a book called The Present. And I don't know if you ever mm. read it, but it had a picture of a gift on the front. I do remember that book, Yeah, But it was talking about not a gift, but the gift of your time and yeah. living and being in the present. And, and I'm p- pretty sure it was in that book where they talked about how we've got the different balls in our lives mm. and that like your health and your relationships are actually made of glass and your mm. work. And, and uh, I forget what the others are finance, maybe um, are are rubber balls. And, and if you drop them, they bounce. Mm. <laughs> right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that all was stuck out to me about that book, but that book, Talks about showing up, and we have all been guilty. And I will step to the front of that line (laughs) Uh, when my daughter was young, going to the park with her and pushing her in the swing with one hand and reading my email with the other. (laughs) Okay, that is about as unpresent as you can get.
0: (laughs) You know what? I'm going to be right in the front of the line with you. You're right. We've we've all been there. And guess what? You know what? I was. there in some way, shape, or form yesterday, because the thing with presence is that it's impossible to stay present all the time. Um, even if we're doing all of our work and very, very conscious of it, there's still moments where we'll lapse in that where we'll lose presence. And so it's not about feeding ourselves up for it, but rather trying to be really, really conscious of how present are we and then being really intentional when we go to push our kids on this thing of, hey, I'm going to be really present
1: in this moment with my child and put my phone in my back pocket or, or whatever. Right, right. Well, and, and I can't tell you how many times just even in, in my own household, and, and we live in a two-story home, and I've got a 17-year-old daughter, and I've got a 15-year-old son, and mm. my husband just turned 65 on Monday but is still mm. you know going strong, and, and he actually travels all the time, so he's not always home. But all through the holidays, I swear to God, we were all in different rooms with electronics, mm. Right, whether it was the TV yeah. or a laptop or our phones, I mean, literally in different rooms of the house. And we didn't, you know, I was watching all of the pictures on, on Facebook over the mm. holidays in particular where people were showing their families and, oh, we, you know, we all went to the beach and we went and watched the sunset. And I thought, man, we all read Facebook, you know, or we mm. all watched mm-hmm. movies, you know, but not together. and And so, you know, I think being present kind of has to start at the personal side of your life, and and one of the things that yeah. uh, we didn't get a, a long time to talk about the executive girlfriends group, but the thing that sets the executive girlfriends group apart is that we treat our lives as a whole thing and not, mm-hmm. you know, like the business side of us. Like some, right. there's some professional networking groups where you wouldn't dare talk about pushing your kid on the swing, right, right. And, right. and not being present with your children. Um, or there are like home groups where you talk about diapers and babies in and college and, and, you know, those groups don't tend to have a lot of business owners or executives, right, and, and so I really wanted to strive to have the executive girlfriends group be a group where we could be ourselves, realizing that each one impacts the other, right? So and great. maybe we yeah. are 100% present for our business to the point where we're not present at all for our family, which right. for those of us who work from home, that is such a danger. Right. Yes, yes, for sure. No, I love that. I, I love it that you take such a holistic approach. I think, I honestly,
0: I believe that's the only way that we can do it. In, in 20, you know, in the, the, the age that we live in, the time that we live in, um, I think that this whole, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in this whole work life balance thing. I think that the whole idea of work life balance that we've set, the, what we've defined it as a culture, I think it creates more stress for people than actually just being present the fact that life is very holistic. We bring our full selves to the table and that situation that happened this morning with your child, like that, is in your energetic field. So when you come into work, it, it's really important to not try to compartmentalize it, but to let that be a part of who you are, and to be able to be present the present moment, and to reboot so that you can lead and do what you need to do. But I think that we put so much stress on ourselves in trying to when we try and separate it out. Right, that, and you
1: know that is yeah. such an important point. And I, I want to reiterate something that you just said because I think we, when we are focusing on life balance, we mm-hmm. do beat ourselves up on one side or the other. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're if you've got a newborn at home and you're trying to go back to work, it's really hard to stay focused. Right. And and likewise, you know, as you said, when when you actually want to go back (laughs) to work and and you're pulled back into the home life, that's tough. But I love what you said that. This is just about awareness. So if mm-hmm. you find yourself straying, and one of the reasons, you know, right before we hopped on the call, I was mentioning that you didn't have your table of contents on Amazon, which, uh, you know, I, I just have come to expect that. But I realized as you were talking, one of the reasons I do that is it helps me stay f- completely focused and present for the interview. Mm.
0: And mm. and
1: uh, because I use the book as a part of that, and, and I always do have a physical copy of the book, but um, it's funny because I'm so in that habit that I'm finding today, you know, looking down at the physical copy of the book, it it is harder to stay focused. So, you know, I think you have to know what your triggers are too of, oh, yeah. of when you aren't focused and what behaviors, um, you know, kind of cause that to happen. And, and the phone is the worst, right? We're sitting in a meeting <laughs> And, you know, everybody's got their phone under the table and, you know, kind of looking down, right? But, yeah. of course, bosses know and people who are presenting know that that's happening. Well, right. let's, let's uh, shift gears to the book and yeah. let's, let's start talking about it. And, and, you know, we did dive in a little bit and talk about the fundamentals of showing up. But your first chapter, the, the title of this is really intriguing. The title of the chapter is Holding Your Fate. What do you mean by that? And don't worry about the dog. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Oh,
0: it's part of my work life. It's part of my work life. It's a little dog who's having a fit about a squirrel, I think. <laughs> Squirrels beware. Um, so, okay, great. Thank you for – okay. So everything that we – you know, as we're talking, the lead-up to talking about the book has been really interesting because everything we're talking about, including the meeting and being on the phone and all that, almost every single thing, chickie is addressed in some way, shape, or form in the book. So um, – the first chapter the way that i wrote the book if i just take one step back the way that i wrote the book it's divided into five sections and when when i started working on this book you know most people when they come to this kind of work they want to start with the leadership skills and the cultural initiatives if we're going to change our culture if we're going to create a contagious culture what initiatives are we going to put in place and that's generally where people want to start but actually the most powerful place to start is where you and I are talking right now, which is with the individual being really present and getting that they hold their faith. So the first uh, section is all about the fundamentals of what showing up means and really asking the leader to think about what that means for them personally. So because you and I will have our own definition of what showing up means for ourselves. That's a very personal thing that you have to say. Everyone, I believe, has to kind of do their work around to figure out what does that mean for me. So, The first section is about really helping people identify what that means for them and get the fundamentals down. And then the second section goes into, you know, uh, how you actually take care of yourself so you can show up as a leader. The third section goes into leadership skills. Then it's not until the fourth section that we get into actual culture um, and what this actually means in a company. So I just want to kind of take that one step back and just –
1: Exactly. No, and thank you for doing that yeah. because um one of the things i I love about this book is uh the way that you've organized it and you. you know and again, I see hundreds of business books, so yeah. um you know the ones that actually make it on the show are you know patty knows our, our producer knows that um you know i again, I love the covers of books, and I love clever uh clever titles and clever covers um but the book has to be well-organized and, and so that people can dive in and, and perhaps even refresh themselves on a particular section. Maybe they don't read it all the way through. Yeah. And, and your book seems like, like you can do that.
0: Yeah, well, thank, well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you like it. I, um, the, the, the thing that I always want for people from the bottom of my heart, and this is about the book, is that you can have the best leadership skills in the world. You can you can be you can have your MBA, your PhD, you can be like the most amazing rainmaker in the company, but if you're not present and if you're not impacting people in a way that makes them feel good, then you're losing a huge you know, you're leaving a ton of opportunity on the table. So that's why we take the inside out approach with the book. And that's why we start with someone's intention, their energy and their presence first. Right. So so if we go to holding your fate to your original question, thanks for um indulging me that little sidebar. <laughs> Um, if we go into holding your fate, the idea around holding your fate is just that we're all at choice every single day about how we show up. And no matter how complicated our lives are, no matter how mean somebody is or how difficult something is or whatever, no matter how unfortunate something is to happen, we still are at choice with how we want to work with it, how we want to process it, and how we want to show up and what we want to bring to the table with people around us. Um, the other component of that is that, you know, we're always having an impact. So, you know, the way that I show up with you, with my family, with my children, with whoever, that has an impact on how our relationship is going to be and what kind of results I'm going to get. So that's what I mean by you're holding your faith.
1: Oh, completely. And, you know, it's funny this week, um, the first week of January, every year, my kids' school does something called J-Term. And I had never heard mm-hmm. of, of this before. But the kids either get to go on trips, like the seniors go off on their annual senior trip to New York, and mm-hmm. there are some mission trips because it's a it's a Christian school, and then um, the other kids can either do community service or they can find an internship. And mm. so I had an intern all week, and she she didn't happen to come today, but um, it was interesting because I started the week off uh, talking about how you work and how you prepare. And, you know, are you the kind of person who does your homework, uh, you know, three weeks in advance when you get the assignment, or do you spread it out over the three weeks, or do you Mm. do it the night before? And I clearly am the night before person, right? (laughs) (laughs) which is why I always ask that, and and letting them know that that isn't necessarily bad. However, Mm. uh, to this point about being present, so on Wednesday, she and I had to go uh, to a, a potential client, Uh, for my technology company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was thrilled uh, because she had never been in a business meeting before. And, and, you know, we were working in my home uh, the rest of the week. So, you know, that that wasn't so business-like, right? She wasn't getting that business experience. So we go, uh, we're on our way to the client. And it was one of those mornings where I was trying to wrap up something for another client. uh, And I'd been up super late the night before. And so it was like 5 minutes before we left that i even went in and looked at the presentation that i had done mm-hmm. for the the prospect and made just a few quick changes and then realized I didn't know whether they would have anything to display it, and I didn't have time mm. to print it. Nor did I want to mm. waste the paper or the ink, you know, because mm. a lot of times people throw them away anyway. So we get to the client, and they were, you know, very gracious, and and we all kind of piled into the the CEO's office and and just sat in chairs. And he had a big screen, and I thought, well, it would probably be a good idea to display it there. But the file was too big to email to him. Mm. And I didn't think of that ahead of time. I didn't bring a memory stick. So I had to fumble around with putting it on Dropbox. And, and so as I was doing that, I was having him tell us about the company and about their growth plans. But, you know, mm. I wasn't able to listen to a thing that he was saying mm. because I was trying to get this presentation so he'd have it. And that lack of preparation on my part caused me not to be present Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I had to talk to to her about that, you know, on our way home that, you know, I really should have uh thought that through and thought what I needed to do. So, you know, what the reason I bring up that I'm, you know, the last minute person who does, you know, the the term paper at midnight before it's due the next day is I happen to do my best work at that yeah. moment, right? Yeah. And and so yeah. I haven't tried to make myself change that. But I didn't think about this aspect of the impact. Mm. So, you know, and and I, I also bring that up because the next chapter is called You Are Contagious. So I, you know, when, when I finally move from being a product into being a company, and I, I'm kind of in that transition right now where I've been building a new product and am about to either raise money or hopefully sign enough clients that I don't have to, but mm. all of a sudden I will be a company and I'll be hiring people. And I don't want that part of me to be contagious. <laughs> well I think
0: I, I have to say that I think the, your awareness and your accountability so you owning what happened and saying like this is what happened I wasn't fully prepared, therefore I wasn't able to be present your, uh, your awareness and accountability that to me is one of the most important parts about holding your fate and being contagious because you're talking about you're talking about taking ownership and from a place of ownership that's contagious so when your people see that when you you know when you're moving into this new era of business, and even right now, like just the conversation you had on your way back with that woman, um, that that is contagious because the person sees, oh, wow, she's not blaming anybody else. She's not saying, oh, this wasn't my fault. She's not, you're not making excuses. You're saying, hey, look, you know what? Actually, I waited to last minute. I wasn't totally prepared. I've learned from it, and this is something to be aware of moving forward. So I just, I just want to throw that out there that, that, that that's a, in my mind, that's something that I find is really helpful for leaders when they can have that kind of awareness because ninety percent of the time that's happening, but they're not taking that accountability, and that's the negative contagion that gets passed along
1: right, right, you know the next chapter you talk about self care and people care and and I made one other observation uh this week with my intern, and you know again she's she's a freshman in high school and uh no business experience whatsoever, and the first day I, I kind of maybe overwhelmed her. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I had her watch uh, a segment of Shark Tank and and, you know, go through what their brand story was and what their product and market and profitability and how they were looking to exit out of the business and then I had her watch The Profit with Marcus Limonis and, and, you know, kind of do the same thing with a, a company that was uh, very very different than my company. But I wanted her to be able as I related to things in my business, I wanted to be able to talk about each of these companies. Right. Sure. And she mm-hmm. was she was really engaged and it was it was really wonderful. But then on the second day we were just sitting on the couch and talking about certain things and, you know, I was giving her little things to do, but the whole time she was yawning all day. Mm. And, and um, I know we yawn for a lot of different reasons. I Mm -hmm. mean, boredom can be one of them. Another one can be lack of sleep. And another can be that if you're running at a pace and you, you finally slow down, sometimes you just yawn because your body is just, uh, you know, coming down right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about self-care and taking care of of your environment before you can take care of other people, right? And that this yeah. is all part of what you call the leadership leadership trifecta and, and about the impact that you have on other people and that you really need all of these things. So can you give us just a little bit of insight into the leadership trifecta?
0: Sure, absolutely. So leadership trifecta, um, there are I find that there are three kinds of leaders. So I want to stereotype really really high level, there's, there's three common themes I see. One is the leader who is great at uh, creating impact, right? They're great at getting stuff done. They're great at, like, creating results in the company, but they're totally exhausted, like the woman you're talking about. So totally exhausted. Right. They're not healthy. Their are exercises on the back burner. They're eating crappy. Their personal relationships are falling apart, but they're creating impact right? So they don't have the self-care piece. So that doesn't work. Then there's the leader who's got the self-care piece handled and they, you know, leave and go to yoga every night and they eat really well and, you know, their chakras are all in alignment. However, they're not effective at creating impact or getting stuff done. They just, they don't have the skills. They don't have the, um, the, what I think of as the the intention around impact. And so they've got the self-care, but they're not, they're missing the impact piece. And then there's finally, there's the leader who's really good at taking care of themselves and is great at getting stuff done, but they leave dead bodies behind everywhere they go, and right. by that I mean, you know, they're, they, they they get stuff done and they take care of themselves, but people don't feel good following them. That people um, don't feel inspired. They don't feel, you know, that the person they, they they often will have, um, you know, the, the yell. Or I met a guy. There's a guy that I talked about in the book who his leadership style was to throw phones at people,
1: oh, and so. No.
0: But he was winning. He was. I met him at a conference where he was winning a business award for their business results that year. But so he was like, <laughs> "Well, Anise, I like to throw phones at people, and that's how I lead. And people are terrified of me, and that's why we're on this award list this year." And I went, "Wow, let me know how that goes for you next year, right?" So, oh,
1: wow. There's, there's, you know, so the,
0: the three things you have to have: the self-care, you have to have the ability to create impact, and you have to have the ability to bring people with you. And that's what I talk about as the leadership trifecta.
1: Oh, and, well, in, I love it, that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's important It's because, you know, you said it earlier, like, if, if we're not present to what, like, if, if we don't have all this, then what's the point of our life? Like, if we're burnt out or we're leading really great businesses and we're no good for our families and our kids and ourselves, what is the point? Who cares?
1: Exactly. You know?
0: So we need exactly. it all.
1: Well, and and I, I want to have you just give us a little bit of insight about IEP, um, sure. Intentional Energetic Presence. It sounds sounds a little uh, just on the surface, right, for people who don't know you and who don't know about this. Sure. It sounds a little bit out there. So yep. help us understand how it relates to our daily lives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I get that. I, I hear that almost every day of my life. I go, what is this IEP stuff? So Intentional Energetic Presence. Uh, is really boils down to the way that you show up. And if you look at, if you take those three words apart, you've got your intention for what, you know, what you want to have happen. You have your energy for, you know, the energy you bring into the room, how you're taking care of yourself, so you have the energy to actually lead sustainably and not burn yourself out. And then you have your presence, which is how do people experience you? So, you know, at the beginning or earlier, I talked about you can have all the greatest leadership skills in the world, or you can create these great results. But if people don't experience you in a way that makes them feel inspired and in a way that feels responsive and open and whatnot, then you're leaving a ton of potential impact on the table. And, you know, the worst case scenario, like the guy I talked about earlier, you're leaving dead bodies behind. So intentional energetic presence, you know, you put those three words together, you can break them down and you can really look at each thing individually. Or you can just look at it as a whole, which is being really intentional about how you walk into a room and being really intentional about how you hold your life, how you show up, how much accountability you take, et cetera, et cetera. And I talk about in Chapter 4, I talk about the actual IET method, and there are three components to it um, that I think are the most important pieces, and one is the ability to really reboot your presence. So you're walking into a room, something really junky has just happened, you're in a bad mood, whatever. You're going in to lead your team. You don't have the luxury to go in and throw phones. Like, you really don't, not if you want to be a good leader. So you know, how do you reboot your presence? And so I take people through the actual presence reboot. Then the second component is the ability to create intentional impact. And there's a five-step framework that I have clients use, um, you know, before they go into any meeting, any team meeting, an off-site they're planning, a project they're planning. You know, I did it for the book. Um, And it's just basically five steps to intentional impact to help them get the outcomes and also the emotional impact that they want to have. And that is highly dependent on how they show up. So that's built into that framework. And then the third component is just building a strong IEP foundation, which is all about your self-care, your mindset. Um, the, I call it your energetic vibration. You know, like what is the energy? What is the vibe that you're putting out there when you walk into
1: a room? Right. And then the quality of relationship. So those well, three pieces know, together. And as, uh, as you're saying that, I'm remembering um, an individual that I worked with for a little over a year uh, my company was building Las mm. and and we were building not just the website, but we were building the the company and the culture and a joint venture between two major competing casino companies and and so there were a lot of dynamics, um, you know, in in what was going on, but I realized about halfway through that project that every single time we would walk into a meeting, like five minutes oh. before the the guy who was leading one of the major casinos uh would pull me off to the side and say something to me that would i believe intentionally try to get me off my game and mm-hmm. for the life of me i can't figure out why he would have done that because mm-hmm. i was actually his advocate and and we were you know kind of in his camp you know even more than we were the other uh, casino company that we were working with, just because he was the one who had hired us. But I mm-hmm. finally had to to actually say something to him. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I, I quite frankly have the same problem with my husband. Like whenever we go to an event, birthday party, wh- whatever it is, um, you know, my ho- my husband would rather stay home than anything. He's just a real homebody. But he'll say yes to go to things, and then right before we'll we'll leave, he'll say, "I don't even know why we're going to this." Right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, have mm-hmm. been married to this guy for twenty five years, and I love him dearly. But it's mm-hmm. like, why do you sabotage this stuff every single time? So that I, you know, I'm hoping that your your reboot of your presence includes. Figuring out who might be sabotaging your energy, right? Yeah, because sometimes it's external and it's not something we do to ourselves unless we allow it to continue.
0: Right. Well, I I love it. I love that you just brought up those examples because, to me, when I look at those, it's it's not you can't control. You know how that guy before you went into the room, like how he, what you can't control him. You can't control what he says or what he thinks of you or what he's trying to do. You have no idea why he's doing what he's doing. Um, You also can't control your husband. As much as we (laughs) might. I've been trying for 25 years, but you're right. (laughs) But you can control yourself. So to me, it's about being able to still hold your space. And in the book, I teach people, there's a couple tools they teach. They they get the reboot, and then there's also an energetic xylophone, um, which helps you hold, you know, and, and a third thing, which is called bubbling up, which helps you hold that space around you so that when people are, throwing barbs at you or sabotaging or just being completely unconscious about their impact but it's negative. When that's happening, you actually can reboot, you know, I I literally imagine bubbling up. I literally think about a bubble around me where everything in that bubble is mine and everything outside is the rest of the world. And I get to decide um, what I want to let get to me and what I don't. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we, one of the things, so I'm, I'm the person that gets the phone calls. I get two common phone calls. One is, Anish, I am killing it in my company. I've got my PhD. I've got this. I've got that. But for some reason, people don't, um, people don't like working with me or people, or I'm not getting this result or whatever or my marriage is falling apart or whatever. Nine times out of ten, it has to do with something in their IEP, how they're holding their space, the lack of intention they're bringing, the, the energy right. and their presence they're bringing to people. That's, that's one phone call. So little small tweaks can start to really put them on a different path. The other phone call I get is, oh, my gosh, this person is trying to sabotage me. This person, if my team was easier to work with, if my spouse was easier, or I love this one. I always work for the biggest jerks, or I always date the worst guys. Well, <laughs> the, the beauty of that, Tiki, is that we're the common denominator. And so when we point our – like, so then I can do something about it. If I keep attracting, like, all these horrible bosses and sabotagers and whatnot – If I really look at that, if I'm pointing my one finger out, I've got three fingers pointing back at me, you know, so I can look at, okay, how am I doing with holding my space? What am I making up? When that guy says that thing to me and I feel that energetic barb or I feel that like he hurt my feelings or whatever, how am I letting that design how I want to show up right now? You know, what am I making that mean? You know, when my husband doesn't want to go and do this thing with me, is it possible I can just say, you know, uh, wow, here, wow, is there a request? There. Do you have a request? Would you prefer to not go? You know, so I'm gonna to move to the back of the house because our our uh, guy has decided
1: to come three hours early today. I'm so sorry, oh no worries. <laughs> It's always that, that way. That. I mean, my house is totally quiet until the radio show starts, and then oh my then my gosh. son comes in and is slamming the door. And but actually, it's been quiet today. Well, let so we, why don't we yeah. jump on uh, to part two of the book, which is is sure. what you've really been just describing of of showing up for you, and and you talk here about all of the different kinds of of energy and and the things that that really contribute to our success, the physical and environmental energy, the mental and emotional energy, uh, vibrational energy, which uh, you, you've you alluded to, and I'd like you to spend a little time on that because I sure. think it's easier for people to envision what the others are. And then uh, you also talk about relational energy. So... Uh, you know, I know that that's a lot to wrap in yeah. into some comments, but uh, I want to make sure we have time for the the last uh, parts of the book too. So maybe you can just kind of roll all of those into uh, a set of comments.
0: I, I can absolutely. So that second section of the book, showing up for you, that basically is all about creating a strong IET foundation. That's that's the you know the third part of the methodology is create that strong foundation, and so you want to pay attention to your physical energy, your environment, you know, everything in your environment has an impact on you. So if you walk into your house and, or you walk into your office and you get like that feeling, you want to look at what is it in your environment that's not supporting you. So basically physical and environmental is making sure that everything you put in your body, everything you do with your body, everything you put around your body, that it supports your energetic field, that it makes you feel good. It's, it's um, life-giving versus life depleting. That's just something to start paying attention to. The second uh, chapter in that uh, section is about your mental and your emotional energy, which is really looking at your mindset, your attitude, um, you know, your complaints, the things you believe in, uh, you know, underneath every single complaint is just an uncommunicated request or a suggestion. So if you've got either yourself or someone in your life that's complaining all the time, you can actually take a pause, take a step back and go, okay, wait, here's my complaint. What is it that I want instead? You know, or if you've got an employee or a spouse or a child who's complaining all the time, you can go, hey, I hear your complaint. What would you like instead? Because the minute you point them to looking at what the request is, that energetically opens things up and it puts them back in a position of power where they can go, oh, I can actually do something about this. So mm. the mental the mental and emotional, that, that really dives into, you know, assumptions you're making, like all these different components. Um, and I should say that, in every single chapter, there's a uh, reflection section, which is about making this content real. And so I designed the book to not just be a book where you could just read it, but I really want it to be an active partner for people. So if people read through this book and do the work at each section, they'll walk out of it with an actual plan, and they can integrate. That's the feedback we've been getting is that even in the first section, people are like, oh, wow, I'm already integrating,
1: and it's making an impact. So, well, and not only that, I mean, I'm glad you yeah. brought that up because I was going to mention that That this is one of those. Well, I read every book with a pen in my hand, oh, um, nice. but this one specifically, you do need a pen in your hand. And and the other thing I was going to say about the way the book is laid out is you've got a lot of graphics. And, and I don't yeah. know about our listeners, but as I get older Um, words have a harder time penetrating my brain, but pictures, (laughs) um, I've always been highly graphical anyway. And, and I make, you know, heavy use of color. If I, if I ever do this kind of a book, my book is going to be terribly expensive to print because it's got to (laughs) have color, right? Um, you know and and so in addition to my sticky notes i also carry around expo markers you know of all different colors cuz i can't just mm. draw on a whiteboard in a single color <laughs> so that that probably has something to do with my my some some form of energy <laughs> that i'm putting out <laughs> <That's>
0: great <laughs> well i i i would be right there with you coloring away so i get it um I get it. So do you want me to finish up about this section? or? Yes,
1: yes. Um, well, let's finish with uh, vibrational energy and relational energy. Okay, great. So uh,
0: vibrational energy is basically here, – here's the way for people to think about this. Every single person, whether that word resonates for them or not, whether intentional energetic presence feels too out of the box or not, here's, here's where you're experiencing it. You are in a meeting, and somebody walks in, and the entire room feels like it shuts down. Everyone gets careful. You're about to go into a meeting, and you have that conversation, and you feel your energy drop. That's vibrational energy. You are at the grocery store, and you run into one of your kid's parents, and they start to tell you how busy they are and how hard their life is. And they're almost chasing you down the aisle telling you this, and you feel your energy drop. That's vibrational energy. So your vibrational energy is just looking at what is the vibe that you put out.
1: Vibe, I was going to say, that's exactly the word that popped into my head.
0: Yeah, what's your vibe? What's the vibe? And, you know, and I'm talking about the impact of everybody else on you. You know, the examples I just gave are all external. But I always point people back to look at yourself first. Internally, what's the vibe you're putting out? If I keep having a bad interaction with my team, I'm like, oh, my team's vibe is so bad. The first thing I need to do is look at how am I showing up with my team? What's my vibe? What are my beliefs about my team when I walk in? When I go into a client meeting and it feels like it's hard, I really want to check what are my beliefs that I'm having about this client or about this product or about myself that's impacting my presence because whatever I'm believing about it is having an impact on the vibe I'm putting out in the room. So that third part of that section that third chapter really dives into vibrational presence and how do you shift it? How do you be aware of it? How do you know what yours is? And then we move into relational energy, which is just like every single person has their own energetic field um, and their own presence. So do different relationships. And so in the relationship I talk about what are the relationships that are draining you? What are the ones that are life giving? How do you intentionally Choose. Um, I call it your posse. You know, how do you choose the posse, the people that you want to hang out with? You know, the, the Jim Rohn and many others have said we become the sum of the five people we hang out with the most. So who are you hanging out with? And what do you, where do you need to make requests? What do you need to change? Where do boundaries need to change? So we really look at that in that section. So when you go through the entire part two of the book for showing up for you, you've got your IEP fundamentals, you've got that foundation built if you do the work.
1: Right, right. No, and, and I can see how very important this is for me in particular, uh, largely because I've spent the better part of the last seven years alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, When you're an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or you're a yeah.
1: consultant and you work from home, um, you may spend a lot of time on the phone or online. I mean, I, yeah. I am like a chronic texter because once I'm working with somebody, if – you know, if we're online we, we text a lot and I actually text from my computer rather than my phone mm. because you know, I get to talk to people that way. Yeah. yeah. And and so, you know, I can see for myself that I am going to absolutely have to go through this book with pen in hand and probably yeah. sticky notes and tabs.
0: Right. And <laughs> highlighters,
1: like the whole arsenal that. because <laughs> I've been alone for so long that once I have an office and actually have staff around me, um, I'm gonna have to reboot everything.
0: Yeah, yep, that's great. That's great. I love that. I love, I love how you, um, I love, I love how you process stuff. It's fun to
1: listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Um, so we have about uh, about 10 minutes left and I know that there's yep. a lot of meat in the last three chapters of the book but yep. let's shift to showing up for others and and uh, sure. you know again the uh, the chapters here you talk about outgracing busy and burnout and other leadership optimizers growing yep. leaders it's all about the container and life-giving engagements agreements and meetings. Yep. Yeah. Well, here's
0: the, here's the great news. So I know we're down to 10 minutes. That went so quickly. And um, just like the book, that so this this translates over. The most important, you'll know your readers will notice, and you'll notice as you read the book, that the first three sections are the meatiest. So it, you know, it, it builds. Like, so the first one's really, it's it thick. The second one is thick. The third one starts to get a little bit lighter. And the reason is, is that getting the fundamentals of showing up and then getting your own IEP practice down pat, that's the most important part. Because now if I've got a strong IEP foundation and I know how to reboot my presence and I know how to create intentional impact, because by this point in the book I've learned all of that, now I can start to get into my leadership skills and how I show up for other people. And anything that I do is going to be that much easier. So years ago I used to – I would, I'd be asked, this will, just, this will actually summarize this. I used to be asked to come in and do leadership training or feedback training. And I'd say, great, I want to work with them around IEP content. And they'd say, no, 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 that's, that's too soft, that's too out there, can we just do skills, <laughs> right? So like I said, this has been my lifelong. I've been hearing this for 12 years. <laughs> so I, so they'd say, no, 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 we just want to stick with the, the hard stuff. And so I'd do it, and cheeky, it would take me eight hours, six to eight hours, to train people on feedback, right? Once we started integrating the IEP work in 2009, I said, I'm not going to do that anymore because I'm, <laughs> we're wasting time. Once right. we started to train people in the IEP work, that same feedback training now takes two hours, if that.
1: Wow. And it's because
0: their intention, their energy, and their presence and their awareness is opened up, so now they're much better with skills. So by the time you get to that third section with all the skills, we talk about, you know, outgracing busy and all that good stuff, by the time you get there and feedback and everything, those skills now are going to be a thousand times easier to handle than they would have been
1: if you had done Section 3 without reading the first two parts. Wow. I really love that. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that I do is is I help people do game-changing business design Right, mm-hmm. and change the way that they think about things, and and getting out of the status quo. But I can see how your piece would add so much to what I'm doing. Um, anyway, so we'll yeah. talk offline no, about definitely. that. We'll, we'll talk offline, not, but I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. Um, so the last two chapters of the book, um, one is showing up for culture, and you talk mm-hmm. about uh, the need for a healthy culture within an organization, creating a culture um, that. People want to catch so this that contagiousness uh of that culture and then uh, you talk also uh in the context of that about hiring and firing, and you know just mm-hmm. this week i've I've heard from you know multiple people who have lost uh really senior jobs in in companies mm. that are downsizing and where they thought that they were going to be helping with the downsizing and having to let people go only to find out that they were the ones who were let go. Mm, um, oh, ouch. You know, and I thought those days were behind us, but apparently times are pretty tough out there. So yeah. talk a little bit about that, and then we'll we'll talk about uh, moving forward, which is the last chapter. You bet. absolutely. So, yeah, so uh, showing up for culture you know, Basically, you've got your core IP,
0: you've got your leadership skills now, you know how to hold really healthy meetings, because that's a part of Section 3, is how do you hold a healthy, life-giving meeting? Um, you know how to have <laughs> collaborative discussions, like all these good things. So now, now we can get into culture. And by this point, the reader, the, the secret is this. It's not your corporate initiatives that are creating your culture. It's how every single person in the organization decides to show up. And we as individuals, we emanate the culture we want to be a part of. So if I want to create a healthy culture and I start to practice some of the things that we talk about in this particular section, I'm contagious. So now the people around me are going to start to pick up on that. And that's how culture gets created. So the you know we talk about the super seven, which are, you know, probably don't have enough time to go into them here. But the super seven is basically what I've seen, seven core components that are absolutely essential to help create culture. And... Fortunately, we have a lot of control over making those things happen. We talk about positive and negative contagions. And then with the hiring and the firing, you know, there's, there's a way to hire people. I think people, you know, there's the saying, hire slow, fire fast, right? I think there's a way to hire people even more intentionally um, so that you make sure that you're setting them up for success from the very, very beginning, Um, and then if you don't hire the right people or if you have to let people go, there's a way to do that very, very gracefully that honors and serves them as a human being versus makes it like the worst thing that ever happened to them. So I talk in that chapter about how do you set the container for not only hiring and onboarding people to set them up for success, but when it doesn't work out, how do you exit them in a way that they're that they leave feeling like they've got some dignity and grace and that they actually feel excited about the impact they might go have out in the world with other companies.
1: Mm, I love so. that. I I had a, a person that worked for me and and she's one of the first people I'll hire, uh, you know, as my new company uh, moves to the next level. But one of the reasons is because when she would fire somebody, you know, they'd be walking out the door, inviting her to their son's wedding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. People skills is not my my uh, my thing, uh, and you know which is one of the reasons why I need to read your book so fully armed, um, <laughs> because I'm I'm a leader, not a manager. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was mm-hmm. one of the things I was describing to my intern this week about the difference between leadership and you know supervision and management. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so that that is a, a, an incredible skill and, and good for everybody. You know, as you said, to get people actually looking forward to the next phase of their life. Well, and the
0: and the beauty is the beauty is that it ties into you know how you show up. So if you if you've got your presence and alignment and your intention for that person, if you've got that nice and framed up. And you're setting a really nice container for that person when you go in to fire them, then it's much easier to make that happen more organically. So it doesn't have to be this really, really hard, horrible, manipulative thing that happens.
1: right? well let's let's jump to the last part because I, I want to give a, a yeah. good amount of time to talking about showing up moving forward. And you you talk here about the practical uh, elements of launching IEP into your organization and and how you can make that happen. And then you also talk about the resources and apps and tools and and the things that you provide, including secret sauce and superpowers, which I want some (laughs) of that. Um, But, you know, I might also at this point uh, point people to your website. Um, why Why don't you talk about that? Because, you know, a lot of this, once you have read the book, you may still find that you need help,
0: right? Yeah, absolutely. And so
1: if you'll point to your website and and talk about some of the tools, that would be really great. Sure, absolutely. So uh,
0: the website, they can find me at anisecavenaugh.com, or we've realized that that's sometimes really tricky for people to find because my name is Long. And so we also have IEP.io. And if they go to IEP.io, they're going to go to a main page that will show them you know, how to get the book, it also gives them resources and tools that they can download that are extra, Um, that I just, you know, like I've got a virtual presence um, kit on there, and IEP starter kit, and all this different stuff, so IEP.io will get them hooked up with a lot of good tools, including actually some slides and a deck from a presentation I just did recently with some of this content, so that's fun to get, Um, they can obviously get the book, and let's see... What else? I think those are the two best, most effective places to send people to.
1: And I, I did see that you have a way for people to uh, actually sign up for your mailing list, and I already got my little uh, thank you from you for uh, for getting oh, good. on the list. So oh, good. Uh, good news, it works. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And in and Chapter 5, I mean, or in Section 5, it, it here's what's really great. Section 5 is just basically stories and examples of how people have put this into their life and made it really real. So it's – um. That that you know that now takes the focus from being on you as leader to looking at okay here's how other people did it, here's some examples of companies and what they're doing to have really good IET. You know we look at some really cool companies like we look at um, IDEO and we look at Domain Carneros, we look at Zingerman's, um, we look at gosh, Proof Executive, there's uh, 155. There's a lot of really awesome people that talk to us about how they were integrating stuff and what they were doing to make their organization really awesome.
1: Very cool. So if, if people are interested um, in, in having you speak, I know you said that you do workshops, and uh, I, I saw on your site that there's a place to sign up uh, for, you know, kind of your next uh, off-site that you do yeah. from time to time, and they can sign up and say that they're interested in that. Um how else? I mean, do you have links there? And I'm not looking at your site right this very minute, but uh, you have links there to follow you on social media. I sure your... do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's if they go onto my site, if they go to anieceavenna.com, um, any either of the sites I just gave you are gonna get get them there eventually. But anieceavenna.com will take them directly to um, my speaking page. It'll take them to social media. It'll take them to all a bunch of articles and interviews that I've written recently. Um, you know, it will take them to the store where we've got IET survival guides and IET school and all sorts of different things that they can access that, you know, range anywhere from free to a much higher price point. Um, and that's the best way to do it. If they just put their information in the contact us, if there's something specific they're looking for, write it up and contact us. And if they just want to get on the list so they
1: stay in touch, then they can just go through any of our little boxes they are everywhere. Great, great. Well, this has been so much fun. And I cannot wait to dive into the book. And, and, uh, you know, as I had shared before we started, I I don't generally have time to read the books before uh, I I do the interviews. But uh, the books that rise to the top of the pile are the ones where, you know, as I'm going through the interview, um, you know, so many of the things do resonate personally with me, which this one absolutely does. And it couldn't be more timely in these Oh, I'm
0: so glad! Thank you so, thank you so much for talking to me and for letting me share it, and just for being really great. I've had such, such a good time with you. <laughs> well,
1: good. Me too. Me too. Well, I hope uh, you do uh, well with whatever's going on in, in the house the rest of the day. That the dog oh, gets I the so squirrel. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh,
0: I'm. I. You know what, Chicky, I apologize. I've never had that happen before.
1: Oh, but don't worry. It's, it's you, you are to not the first, and you will not be the last. I guarantee I, it.
0: I got to create a safe room in the house. It's in the middle of the house where there's no um, there's no windows. <laughs> just going out with the dog. So thank you and to your listeners. I apologize for any distractions.
1: Oh, um, not at all, not at all. I think you know we present. we all are so used to operating in that kind of an environment. It's uh, and it's funny. Yesterday I was working with this this intern, and we were both just sitting and doing kind of project stuff, and and it was so quiet. I thought, wait a minute, you know, because normally I'll have, you know, I'll turn the TV on and have HGTV in the background or, or, you know, the Food Network or something that I don't have to pay attention to. But if I happen to look up, I might catch something interesting. (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) well, I appreciate your grace. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend.
0: Oh, you too. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great and happy January. I can't believe it. Oh, thanks. And uh I will yeah. I will tell everyone today is the twenty year anniversary of my company. So Oh my
0: gosh, congratulations.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh oh. I, I never thought it would uh it would actually come to this when I started my consulting firm twenty years ago. Um, you know, who would have thought that twenty years later, uh oh, you know, wow. I would still be doing
0: it. That is huge, and you're just getting ready to move into the next level. That's: so Oh, yeah, exciting. absolutely.
1: Well, I also have a technology company, and that's really where my, my heart has been the last couple of years of, of moving oh. out of, of just the one-on well, not one-on-one consulting. I, I consult with large, large clients as well. Uh, but I've got a whole bunch of new uh, individuals who are joining my consulting firm, uh, some of whom are, you know, moving out of their uh, corporate jobs, uh, perhaps not willingly. Huh. And uh, anyway, it's just a, it's a fun season of life. Oh, it's amazing. Amazing. Well, here is to
0: celebrating 20 years. Here's to getting really excited about the next 20 and here is to a really amazing 2016.
1: Well, great. Thank you so much. And uh, for those who want to learn more about the executive girlfriends group, we're actually relaunching our site this weekend. And I think it's actually down today. Uh, mm. So if you're listening to this later, Um, You can go to executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. We're going with a a new format that's a little bit more TED-like where you can go in and and pull up content by category rather than having to navigate through uh, kind of the morass of Blog Talk Radio. We've got over 400 shows, and it's just impossible Mm. uh, to organize things on their platform. So uh, we have uh, created a new membership platform, and and for those who just want to, you know, take in our content we've got so much over the course of the last eight years all the interviews we've done and about innovation and entrepreneurialism and marketing and and leadership and giving back and you know so many different topics so um, thanks for celebrating that with me so hopefully we'll have that live over the weekend wonderful All right, well, have a great weekend, and uh, you and I will catch up later. I think Patty has already sent me your your contact information, so I I look forward to getting together. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Hello?